Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain it what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio. Monday, February 13th for episode 474. As always, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, tune in wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Our email address is reignoftroy at fansetted.com. We're going to talk a lot on this episode about Juju Smith-Schuster winning the Super Bowl, Caleb Williams' goals for 2023, uh, and so much more. As always, I'm your host, Mike Castillo, joining along with my co-host here in the Rain of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, uh, we're back. We're back for another episode, and it is sort of a uh, a new era, a new era of Reign of Troy, as we are launching today our uh, Reign of Troy memberships here on uh, on YouTube. So you can join us, join the uh, our growing community here on YouTube uh, for extra members only content. Uh, you badges emojis all those kind of little fun stuffs um and it's gonna be a, a great way for us to you know as the season off season goes on to you know talk to you guys a little bit more along with once we get to the season a hell of a lot more stuff to to you know put out there yeah yeah um people who subscribe will be able to yeah use the special emojis they'll have the badges in the next to their names um, and but most importantly, I think the thing that most people want is bonus episodes. So we will be doing uh, bonus episodes at least one per month uh, for those who subscribe. Uh, we may also be uh, increasing the the number that we do of those, but at least we're going to do uh, one per month. And we're also talking about maybe doing um, I don't know some other stuff down the line as we sort of begin to explore this this new space of the of the YouTube uh, YouTube uh, membership uh, program. So it's can be a little bit different from the Patreon, not terribly different from the Patreon, though, in the sense that you get more of us uh, if you want more of us. So that's what we're hoping to deliver here. Yeah, we've got we've got two levels of uh, the memberships here on YouTube. The first one uh, at 99 cents a month, you can join us um, and help support the show. So it's called the Ren of Troy Supporters Club. Uh, help support the show uh, and um, you get to use some custom emojis as we grow the channel we were given more access to add more and more and more emojis we're starting out pretty simple Rain of troy logo um a victory bell you can throw in the chat uh if you join us on the 99 cent t- tier um along with a little badge that tells you how long you've been subscribed and all that it's a fun little opportunity to get recognized in the chat uh and then for 4.99 a month you can join us and get uh, as it stands now, at least one piece of bonus content per month, along with joining our Discord. We're starting a Discord, uh, and you can talk to us 24-7. Well, 
maybe not 24 7 literally but well i don't know the, the way your sleeping hours are maybe it might be <laughs> maybe <laughs> the, the, those know. those night owls in the who happen to stay up uh into the wee hours of the night might uh might find that there are people around i think it's weird that the people don't to be honest i i i can't do it it's it's just not for me what's it's not, the big it's not deal the about seeing 4 a.m it's not a big deal it's not that i it's am great. against seeing 4 a.m it is that my eyeballs are against seeing 4 a.m on either side of 4 a.m by the way um not wanting to wake up at 4 a.m not wanting to go to sleep at 4 a.m either either way something's gone wrong uh for me so i'll, I'll give a pass there but the discord's super fun um it, it's always really cool to get to have those interactions with people and and there's always a, a community that sort of grows uh, out of out of uh, out of discords and you know we used to have our, our slack channel which sort of still chat with people in so you know this is just going to be sort of a, a a rebirth of that uh to talk about usc and to to get into and and everything else to talk about other sports movies mm-hmm. tv shows food takes whatever's happening in life we can all chat as a uh, as a rock community yeah absolutely uh so that's 4.99 a month you get access to the discord along with uh, at least one piece of bonus content an extra video which will be baked right into your uh youtube so um that's gonna be great because we really want to see how much fun we can have with that uh currently during the off season we're we're committing to at least one video per month um for for the members only stuff but Think about it. Knowing us, breaking news happens. Probably gonna hop on. We have been known. We have been known to see uh, the to season. Hop on. Season goes on. An extra video for us to talk about uh, over under picks or something, or answer your questions. We always get a million questions, uh, so uh, we're, we're going to see how we go uh, with that. And we're super. We're super pumped. So uh, join us. Uh, literally join us. Hit the join button if you're watching us here on YouTube. Uh, I know that sometimes it doesn't pop up uh, in the app on like the iPhone app. So you might have to go online, um, pull out your laptop and join us there. So uh, we put a link in the show notes. Uh, you can click that as well uh, and go join us. So uh, yeah, let's, you know, carry on into a new frontier of Ren of Troy radio here online. Um, but Alicia, a lot to talk about. Let's get to the big news. Uh, we've got new reviews, new reviews over on Apple Podcasts, and we're excited about it because uh, we didn't read them last week, but we've got three new reviews. Uh, let's start with what? What do we want to? What? What is this? How would how would you how would you read this? I am going SCOTMG fan. There you go. And I don't know what. Any of that necessarily <laughs> means, except maybe SC means USC. Um, SC overtime management fan. I, I I like that. I think that works. Anyways, they gave us uh, five stars and says one more year with a um, with a little sniffle emoji. I've been listening to Michael and Alicia for the better part of four years because they are charming and do their homework. The thing is, I loathe USC. I find my way back to this podcast every week during the football season because I'm entertained. And I want to say thank you for keeping me busy a few hours a week. Fact is, I'm going to miss you Trojans when you leave. USC is the perfect villain because they have what other teams want. 
and USC fans should be excited. You're finally on your way back and everyone can feel it. Appreciate that hurt when you lose again. It only feels that bad because it doesn't happen that often. And remember only last year you were numb to losing. Now that we only have one year left until our divorce, I promise not to hate on USC so bad when you leave. Uh, but I will still listen to this podcast because Mike and Alicia are so good at what they do. Thanks again and happy new year. Go Utes. Okay. <laughs> okay. So changing my opinion about the, the username, I don't think it's SC. Probably not. At first, for a second there, before I read the end of that review, I was thinking, is it Sco? Maybe it's maybe it's Scott. Like, now um, I'm thinking it's Scott MGVan. <laughs> so sorry. Sorry. Maybe they're Scottish. Sorry, my Either person. way. Uh, yeah, it, it's maybe. A, it's a great review. And, uh, it's and a, I it's love an that. awesome review. It's a great review. Um, obviously, USC and the Utes have had a, a really uh, bitter and, and, and stellar rivalry over the last few years. So mm-hmm. it is going to be a little bit sad to see USC walk out of the Pac-12 knowing that the back and forth between USC and Utah has been so spicy that, uh, you know, it's almost like we've um, we've just sort of dropping it right at the apex of, of, of all of the of all of the stuff that USC and Utah could be doing in the Pac-12. But it sets up a 2023 battle between them that that is, that <laughs> should be really, really fun, uh, even if we don't have sort of the South technically to go after. It does feel like a it does feel like USC is going to have to go through Utah. Uh, to get to the factual title. So we do love that. And we have really, really appreciate the review, especially because because there's there's the one coming one, up. The yeah. next one has a very different sentiment, but ironically. Before we get before we get to that, I, I just want to talk about the, the Utah thing. I think the Utah rivalry is awesome. I really do. Like SC, um, you know, growing up I feel like there was a, a rivalry with um Washington, at least me as a kid, like I, I felt, you know, a little bitter towards Washington because SC could never beat him. You have um, to be bitter toward that. That's the thing is if you don't lose to a team and don't have that bitterness, the rivalry isn't yeah. as inflamed. Yeah, SC c- couldn't beat Washington when I was uh, a wee lad. And then, um, you know, things kind of changed and, you know, Cal became sort of that villain for mm-hmm. SC. Uh, and the SC-Cal rivalry in the mid-aughts was – Awesome. Absolutely awesome. The 2004 SC Cal game, one of the all-time greatest games in the history of the conference, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and then the Stanford rivalry became, you know, would sort of replace the SC Cal rivalry. And as Stanford has fallen off over the last half decade, it's really been Utah. It, it's been Utah who's been that thorn in SC side. And I, I think the the sort of the balance between you know, SC wins at the Coliseum, save for 2021, and Utah wins at Rice-Eccles. Kind of keeps that, you know, the the evenness there. And, you know, we're going to get our final installments uh, of that one uh, this October. And it should be, should be absolutely fun. Kenny in the chat says Oregon, uh, the Oregon rivalry for me in the 2010s. Yeah, that was, that was totally there. <laughs> For well, sure. The fact that USC hasn't played Oregon in like a decade, it yeah. feels like probably takes some of that away. But uh, I do. I, I, I it's good you bring up the, the the home road splits because it feels like every time 
there's a result going like one side gets to go like, well, it'll be different when we're at home. Like right. USC fans right now are saying like, just wait till we get Utah at home this time. Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, I think that also, that also plays into it, but all of those rivals rivalries that you've named painful, painful all losses. The losses. Yeah. If you're an SC fan, absolutely mm-hmm. burn. Yeah. I mean, th- think about the, the 2010 loss to Stanford, the 2011 loss to Stanford, the, 2012 loss to Stanford. <laughs> like th- those are losses that, you know, 2009, absolutely too. Like yeah. that, that just sort of, you know, burn if you're an SC fan. But uh, speaking of foreign fans, uh, foreign, not foreign fans, uh, opposing fans, um, even though I don't know, maybe Scott MG is from Scotland and then he would be foreign. Fan. Uh, but let's go to Nick5394 who gave us a one-star review. And it says blatant homers. The level of which they insult other fan bases may seem fine and arrogant nation, but it saps their credibility. I, you can't win them all, Michael. The, the weird thing for me about this is like, that's not our show. Like, <laughs> that's you know what I mean? Like, we don't hop on here and, you know, sit here and say, well, you know, uh, this team sucks because... Of, of this and that like that's that's not what we do here on this pod the most i say is like you've been very frustrated with like oklahoma fans for sure oh that's fair and we've gotten I, well, oklahoma trolls in the chat I, th- and that but, is that is very very chat driven sure um which is you know again like welcome to youtube yeah welcome to youtube um yeah i could do without trolls in my mentions and in the chat of opposing fan bases. I also know but that even US, that's minimal. USC like, fans are trolls in on Twitter and on YouTube as well in other sure. in, for other shows. So it's like, I don't know. I try not to be holier than now. We can't win them all. Like <laughs> some people are just not going to like the show. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Wizzy world gave us five stars. Says love the car cash. Just what is needed to digest the game. Mike and Alicia are great at helping make sense of it all. Uh, we appreciate that because that's the goal. Sometimes we say really dumb things in a car cast right after the game, mm-hmm. and it's sort of hard to put our, our thoughts about things so quickly, but I'm I'm glad it uh, comes out well. So here's the thing. Uh, I have two thoughts about the car cast, and I've, Wizzy, thank you very much for this review. That's what we're going for. The car casts are meant to be cathartic to a certain point, and to be honest, that requires us to be a little bit vulnerable because we come on immediately after the game and say things in the heat of the moment. And that's something you should never do. Well, especially um, now that we're doing it live. Now that we're like, doing it live, yeah. It's terrifying mm-hmm. to be live and not have the ability to like go back on what you say. say. Like, yeah, okay, maybe I'm maybe I'm being a little bit much, <laughs> um, which is definitely something you could accuse me of often in a car cast because that's my whole shtick. I'm a little bit much. Um but so we really appreciate that people like the car cast because we are putting ourselves out there. We are being a little bit vulnerable um, and we appreciate that people listen and people enjoy at the same time. Like I have to admit guys, I don't know how anyone watched the two lane car cast. I don't know how anyone <laughs> <laughs> wanted to consume anything that had the words USC in it after that game. I cannot, I, uh, maybe it's because we weren't podcasting and I didn't have a way I didn't have a weekly like sort of like let out of the of the the the, the frustration that's been boiling up, up because we were you know, dealing with family things. But like 
man, I just, I don't, I don't, I can't think about that game. I can't think about anything. I, I think, you know, <laughs> us stepping away from family stuff has sort of made it easy to just, you know, pretend that game just didn't exist. It feels like it didn't happen. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's the key, folks. Just just have family things go awry and then <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you forget about everything instantaneously. Maybe don't. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're being facetious. All right. Uh, let's talk about the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 57 happened uh, last night uh, on, on Sunday night. Um, it was the Kansas City Chiefs getting the best of the Philadelphia Eagles. 38-35. Uh, in Glendale with a, I, what do we want to say? A, a classic Super Bowl, I think. It was a classic Super Bowl that maybe didn't have the the classic finish that we were all hoping it would. Can I, can I ask you a question? Sure. I saw a lot of people on Twitter uh, talking about how it was like arguably the best Super Bowl, Super Bowl ever. Mm-hmm. Was that your takeaway no i i the answer is no to that because i think the score said it and if you looked at the box score you could you could you could think that but until the game was like you looked at it and you're like oh yeah they're they are tied with four minutes to go i don't know that my brain ever said oh yeah this this is gonna come down to the final play or whatever like it never it never felt like one of those like all-time classics for me um and, and maybe that's maybe that's unfair maybe it's there's pessimism in there just because i'm not expecting those kind of games plus we saw like the the fiesta bowl with like michigan and tcu was insane the um the the peach bowl with ohio state and georgia was insane and like those games felt insane the whole way i don't think the super bowl felt insane the whole way i wonder if it's because there weren't that many like insane plays yeah uh, which which maybe contributes to it i i i mean like on a personal standpoint like so, so you you agree you agree that it I, was i didn't feel like it was one of the best super bowls of my life i, I felt but like objectively it i feel well but here's the thing though it's like as, as you know like the the three days before the super bowl i was the most sick i've ever been in my life sure yeah <laughs> with a stomach flu that took literally everything out of me. Um, so like on Sunday I was back working, but I was, I think I was in a, like a, a fever dream for much of the day. Not, not a literal fever dream. Like I had been for the previous three days, but like, I feel like I was just not like, I don't think my brain was capable of keeping up with what was happening. Yeah. Uh, so like part of me wonders if it was just like my own state of mind took something away from the game for me. Uh, I, I think you need something memorable for, there, for those classic moments. And I'm not sure that like, I, like it was, you know, obviously it was a very tightly close like, game and all that stuff, but like the, the very, like there's not a lot of plays that are just seared into my brain. They're going to be there forever. What if Kenny says arguably the best Super Bowl of my life was Seahawks Patriots, uh, or sadly for me, uh, Steelers Steelers Cardinals. Cardinals. Steelers Cardinals. Yes, there's like several plays in that game. They're like seared into my brain, and I'm not a a Steelers or Cardinals fan. Giants Patriots was was fantastic. The Um, the first one or the second one? The 
The first one was first. boring for three quarters and had a great fourth quarter. The ending, yeah, yeah. I think the well, the the helmet catch, right? Yeah, yeah. But but that's the thing is it's it's all about like the fourth quarter. And on paper, to me, the fourth quarter for this should have been one of those great fourth quarters. But like, I wonder if the Nick Bolton scoop and score had happened in the second half and not the first half, like because that was the jump up off your couch kind of play. And I'm not sure that we had a jump up off your couch kind of play that sort of yeah reached those levels. And of course there's the refereeing controversy that then we're all talking about. Sure. Like, Well, which feels like it robbed us from the last second. We didn't get to see what would have happened with a final drive for the Eagles. Not right. that I, not, not, not even in the sense of like that the Eagles would have won the game, but like even chiefs fans were denied the let off of like a big defensive stop or, 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 you know, whatever. I, mean, so, I don't think they care, but I mean, no, I, and I don't think they should care to be quite honest. Like y- if you win the Super Bowl, you should just roll with it. Like, right. I, I, yeah. I, I don't think that you should let anybody's opinion about that holding call, like hold back your, your appreciation of yeah. the game. Well, it was um, like three things can be true. It was a trash call that should not have been called. Um, it completely soured the end of the game. And if you are a chief or a chief fan, you do not give a crap. Like it also it, wasn't think, the most Juju feels guilty for being held. No, no, uh, it, it also wasn't the most egregious call that's ever been called in a Super Bowl, even late in a Super no, Bowl. No, the timing but... of it was the really the worst part of it. Um, the, well, the cornerback compounded himself... with how the chiefs won the AFC too. Like, it's like it yeah, really sucks already, that yeah. they won the AFC championship game because they got a, a penalty, a, 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 a penalty that should have never happened because it was just a terrible decision. See, in that the case, right call, it, it but was should have des- never happened. Deserved penalty. Yes. Dumb play. Like, right. Just and dumb. and this one is a play that happens literally on every play that could get called on every play but doesn't. Uh, and, and then it, it and it ultimately is what prevents the Eagles from having their chance to just answer it, which would have been, you know, the, the grandstand finish that everybody would have wanted rather than, you know, the, the Eagles at one point trying to let Pacheco walk into the end zone, yeah. right? Like, Which good on him. Uh, if it was Pacheco, whoever it was good on him for recognizing, like, no, I got to get down. Don't score. Don't score. Don't score. Um, we've seen, we've seen this, this too many times that uh, you go and yeah. score and then the other team gets the chance. So like, you know, it, it happens, but um but in the like in the grand scheme of things, if you're a Chiefs fan, you should just be out there celebrating at all times. And yeah. if you're not a Chiefs fan, uh, you know, you should just be rolling with whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a Chiefs fan, so it's like it's weird to me that. Um, I mean, I guess if you're an Eagles fan, you're pissed, and you're right to be pissed. But at the same time, like. Even if that call doesn't happen, if you're an Eagles fan, they were going to be pissed after the game about the refs anyways because they were going to argue about the Devontae uh, Smith call that pulled back that big play, which right. personally I think wasn't and a catch. The, you know, the Chiefs can but complain the Chiefs about fans, the, if they had the lost, they would have complained about the other scoop and score. Yeah, yeah like that, that's the thing is there, there was always fans at the end of a game that they have lost are always going to be furious about the officiating. Yeah. Which is why I, 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 I wish that we all as a collective sports community would come to the recognition that like, let the people who are angry be angry and like 
let the people who aren't angry be not angry and let's just all like let it hash out because like there will always just be angry people like this is this is my frustration sure. with utah fans like utah fans after the, the who, who we love scott who, we, fan. who we love yeah <laughs> no but my, my thing was just like utah fans like celebrate your win let usc fans be mad they're gonna they were gonna be they're gonna be mad like it, right. USC it shouldn't fans, take away from your usc win. fans were never gonna lay down at your feet and say like you are right. better than us like all that like that's it's just not gonna happen people are yeah. just gonna be mad um you know like i saw yeah. a tiktok of uh tulane's float at some parade like the tulane football team celebrating and like my hell yeah celebrate my head thing. my my i went into a straight red rage of like well how dare you make me remember that game <laughs> but if you're too late like if you're too late gonna... celebrate away yeah. like i'm not gonna stop you from celebrating right. the cotton bowl like yeah you know i'll like it just again like st- stay in your lane a little bit just know your lane and stay in it um and if you're a usc fan your lane in this in this instance is to to go red with rage and try to like bleach the game from your brain. And if you're a Tulane fan, it's to celebrate all you want. In the case of the Super Bowl, if you're a Chiefs fan, right. celebrate all you want. If you're an Eagles fan, go red with rage. If, if you're somewhere in between, then, you know, have out the discord, but the, the discourse, but uh, yeah. Well, the, the good news for SC fans is that Judas Smith-Schuster, unless you're an Eagles fan and an SC fan, I guess that, be bad news, but Judas Smith-Schuster is a Super Bowl champ, uh, along with Ronald Jones, who's also on the, the Chiefs roster. Juju caught seven passes on Sunday night for 53 yards. Really played a big role in the second half, especially with the Chiefs, as they sort of turned things around the last four drives. Uh, Juju becomes the 50th Trojan to win a Super Bowl, the most all-time by any school. Miami, Notre Dame, Tennessee, and Penn State all tied with 45 winners uh ronald jones uh won a couple years ago with uh tampa bay against the kansas city chiefs so uh this is ring number two for rojo yeah pretty cool i, I that, that's what the that's what the second stands for in his name it's yes like number two ronald two. jones the second meaning the the two rings he has it was destined yeah it, it really was um i was really really happy for juju i was uh, on, on twitter i saw his his the pictures of him celebrating and I just like I just felt so happy I was I was really really pleased he is very very easy to root for mm-hmm. and it's been really nice when when he signed with the Chiefs I was really excited because I thought that that would be a really good situation for him I think his best situation in the NFL is not to be the number one guy I don't think he's the number one NFL receiver I think he's a really really val he's he is in a weird way he's sort of like the the USC Steve Smith um, in that, you know, he is a, 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 a receiver that's, you know, number two or number three, and he's just going to be super reliable for your quarterback. He's going to catch the passes he needs to catch and move the ball when he needs to. Like, I mean, that last one of those touchdown drives, one of those last touchdown drives was essentially Juju moving them down the field. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of receiver that, that he is. And it's really nice to see him carve out a role. And I hope that I, I think he's on a one year deal with the Chiefs. I hope he finds a good spot um, in in free agency. I think he's in the perfect spot. I, I especially would, when when the Chiefs don't have Tyreek anymore. I would tell him to stay with Kansas City if they if yeah. they'll have him. I really would. He could probably chase more money elsewhere. It's not my money, so I can't tell him what to do with it. But like, sure. 
Like, if you can stay catching passes from Patrick Mahomes, like, I think that's just where he should be. So, I don't know. That's that's me. Yeah, and it's awesome for SC to, you know, we're talking about three straight years off the top of my head that SC has had, you know, fan favorite players get a ring. Uh, last year, it was uh, Robert Woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, year before that, it was Rojo with with the Bucks, and like that's awesome. That's awesome. SC now with fifty, as we talked about. What what does this do for his legacy as a Trojan? Because I would argue it does nothing because I'm the type of person of his legacy is what he did in college, um, and whether he's uh, an NFL great or not should not sort of lessen his uh, his his college legacy which was already basically immaculate but this certainly has to you know help too right like that's a as you go forward and continue to recruit and you know sc loves to talk about these things the longer that you have a super bowl winning wide receiver who is getting passes from patrick mahomes like that is a recruiting pitch go be the next juju well, especially when Juju's at Super Bowl Media Day talking about how important being at USC was yeah, towards yeah. his development as, in terms of talking to media, in terms of development as far as being a wide receiver and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, he's a great ambassador for, for Trojan football. Yeah. And so you want him to have a long and storied career. And I think that's the big thing is I would tend to agree with you that we need to be careful not to let NFL success rewrite our perception of Especially negatively. I think that Mike Williams is a really, really good example of this. Yes. Um, Dwayne Jarrett's another really good example of this. Like, just because they didn't go on to huge NFL success doesn't mean that we should look back. uh, Matt Leinart, too, uh, look back at what they did in college and say that, like, somehow that's diminished. No, what they accomplished in college is what they accomplished in college. And, like, their greatness in college should be sort of, like, stamped in college. But it certainly doesn't hurt if you have NFL longevity to remind us that like you weren't a flash in the pan and that you continued to build the brand further, that USC gets to put out a, uh, a graphic every year. Um, when, when you do something, USC gets to add you to the list of names that are part of the recruiting pitch. Um, so that is something that is really, really important to USC. And, and, you know, there's a reason USC put out a, a, a graphic talking about how they have the most Super Bowl uh, winning players. Like that's the kind of thing that only one school gets to put out, and you know that other schools might try to Penn State it and say put asterisks on it and stuff like that. But <laughs> you can only do so much. Like these things do matter in terms of of the strength of USC and any player who's contributing to the legacy of USC is contributing to their own USC legacy. So yeah, yeah, I would give Juju some some huge props. Um, from just from the, the the USC legacy perspective, uh, it's not like I held him in low esteem before. <laughs> My esteem <laughs> of him as a USC legend was already very high. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it is nice to see him uh, succeed and 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 carry that on. So yeah, long may him long may it continue. Long may he reign. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, long may he reign of Troy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kenny in the chat says, "Got to get Caleb one more." Um, or a Super Bowl to have a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Uh, to which I was going to be like, hello, Matt Castle. <laughs> and I looked it up just to double check that I was right that Matt Castle won a ring. 
He had not. He did not. He wasn't on any of the championship no. teams. His or... rookie year was the year after Ooh. the first uh, dynasty. That's rough. If you would have asked me, I thought for I sure thought Pat Castle sure. would have won a, a ring as a backup. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's also hard to remember that like Tom Brady had like those 10 years between. Between Super Bowls. Yeah. 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 Well, that's this is why not to go off on too much of a tangent. But yeah, like there's ten years between, and in those ten years included his like best individual season. Yeah, his weird. his like most statistically yeah. ridiculous seasons. This is why there's a lot of talk about like uh, Mahomes being the goat already and how he's already gunning for Brady and all of these kinds of things. And I'm just like, slow your roll, guys. He's been in the league five years. Brady was in the league for more than twenty. Like. The, longevity is not something you can control. Mahomes is incredibly great. This five-year stretch he's had has been incredibly great. Yeah. I look forward to everything he can do in the future. But like this could be his final Super Bowl. Realistically, well, this could be his last Super Bowl. No, no one knows I, how the 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 pieces fall. So, uh, just like I, I don't want to take anything away from him. Obviously, um, I mean he does wear a Vice's face mask, which you know gives me gives me pause with Mahomes, but. Uh, I I joke, of yeah. course, uh, but the you're about to do some slander. This is going to get us in trouble. No, I'm <laughs> saying like he is a fourth quarter collapse from the Niners and potentially that holding call from being, you know, one and two, if not oh and three in Super Bowls. Uh, we'll say we'll say one and two. Let's just say that, you know, the Eagles uh, are able to have the final drive and come back and down and win it, whatever. Right. Like. Obviously, you can't do that. You can't rewrite things, all those things, right? But, like, it's crazy how, like, the margins, how close the margins are between winning and not winning. Mm -hmm. And to me, those things end up being sort of ridiculous for deciding about who the greatest is. Uh, I've used this example a bunch over the past couple of months that I think it's ridiculous that, you know, Messi had to win the World Cup for people to say that he was the greatest of all time. Yeah, no, that's especially ridiculous. in a game in which went to penalty kicks. And the only reason that he wins the penalty kick that they, they win the World Cup is because like three French dudes missed their penalties. Yeah. So because three French guys missed their penalties. Sorry, Pelé, but um, Messi is now the greatest of all time. Like that's like, do you see how absurd that is? It's absurd. It, but like it's silly. But. I, I think so if, the, if, the, not, if that call wouldn't have been there and and hurts comes and down Hertz goes down the other side and, and like, scores and the ball's not in like that being a negative on Mahomes is ridiculous yeah no it's it's I agree I don't think wins are a quarterback stat it's no. just it's just not I do think that our eye test tells us something about quarterbacks who either do or do, do or do not fold in the big moments and I think the thing you can say about Patrick Mahomes is he does not fold in the big moments. He is a big game quarterback. Right. Oh, I mean, look at the look, look at this at entire the run, half. right? Like, well, yeah, he didn't do anything special in those three wins on the way to winning the Super Bowl. He won the Super Bowl by not making mistakes, which is half the battle. Yeah. And 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 what he did on the on the last drive, the the, the scramble is a the, huge, the scramble, huge play, yeah. twenty six yards uh, on a on a on a bum ankle. Like, can't take anything away from that. I think that that Patrick Mahomes is. He's easily the best quarterback in the NFL for me. Um, he has the ability to... Well, uh, Trevor Lawrence, but okay. 
uh okay you can you look at, uh, it's trevor lawrence you live in, live in that fantasy land but um but also patrick mahomes doesn't win super bowls if andy reed isn't uh isn't in the um the <laughs> michael just put on a jags hat it's, it's trevor lawrence uh mike patrick mahomes isn't winning super bowls if he didn't if he didn't land in andy reed's lap uh and if if a lot of things don't go right for the Chiefs, but that's the case for literally every quarterback that's ever been. Um, Tom Brady doesn't win Super Bowls if he doesn't end up with the Patriots and have things go the way that they did. Right. Um, matches have to be made in heaven, and all well, of the. I've always said that Liner got a, a a really sort of awkward thing. He gets hurt, then gets Wally pipped mm-hmm. by a guy who was thrown away by the Giants uh, in Kurt Warner. Like Kurt Warner was left for dead when he kind of was done with the giants right and then all of a sudden he ends up wally pipping uh liner is unexpected it just but the, these kinds of things happen and and yeah the 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 calculations that go into who wins a championship are so immensely complex that you can't boil it down to one player um you also can't boil it down to one play which is why the penalty thing you just sort of you, you have to shrug it off at a certain point but like what mahomes has done in the past five years is nothing short of incredible on a statistical level and on a, um, right. just on a performance level. Um, but that was a very big tangent and I don't remember where we started, but he couldn't have done it without Juju drawing the penalty. There. No, he couldn't have done it without Juju. Um, Juju becomes winner. Number 50 of the Super Bowl for the Trojans. Who's going to be 51. For you, who, who who do you think is next sort of in line? Um, I, I saw you make an argument for somebody, or I guess two guys on, on Twitter. Well, it, it's sort of a cross argument. Who do I want the most? And also, who do I think is best positioned of the Trojans that I know where they're going to be in 2023? Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to feel good about Telenor Hufanga and Drake Jackson, who is also on the 49ers. Um, the the 49ers are that defense is is exceptional and they're going to continue to be very good and Talanoa looks like a perennial all pro already and he's barely been in the league so i feel quite good about him having a chance at getting a ring i want him to get the ring badly uh, Kenneth in the chat just said, I want Amon Ra the most. I think that is a very correct answer as well. Just a little bit less realistic so long as the Lions are the Lions. Um, and I like the like the Lions this year were a lot of fun. It's fun to see them show some fight and some heart and all of that kind of stuff. But like the the, the mountain that the Lions need to climb is significantly more steep than the mountain that the, that the Niners need to climb. But um, I really want to see... Talano Hafanga and Drake Jackson continue to sort of be forces on that defense. And I, I wouldn't mind seeing the 49ers win the Super Bowl um, next year. So I, I think that that's sort of the, 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 the ones that I'm sort of putting my, uh, my, my, my uh, tag on. Um, I got one for you. It's hard to say though, because a lot of guys haven't landed like, where they're going to land. So Juju could go to the Bengals next and then, you know. And he'd win rings there, yeah, yeah. too. Um, about Matt Barkley? Matt Barkley is a backup quarterback for the Bills. If he is continues not to be a, bad, Matt, is not like, a bad pick. 
Yeah, look, yeah. I, I could I could see it. Yeah, speaking of Matt Castle, speaking of Matt Castling your way through life, which is the smart way to go through life. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think that's that's certainly a possibility. Yeah. The, so J2 Fele and somebody else uh, were with the and Marvel Tell were with the Bengals uh, this past season. But I don't know if they're going to be with them going forward. So that's sort of uh, tough to say. The Bengals look like they're en route for a Super Bowl. So long as as uh, as as that offense and Joe Burrow keeps chugging along, I think they're going to be yeah. in position. But J2 Fele, former uh, Jack legend, for yes. sure. Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, uh, let's talk about potentially the 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 next great uh, pro quarterback, Caleb Williams. Uh, he was over on FS1's First Things First, and he had some things to say. Uh, this is a um, this is from Twenty Four Seven Sports who who put this together. Uh, quote for next year, which is likely to be his last at USC since he will be draft eligible after the season. Williams said he wants to have sixty touchdowns and 5,000 passing yards. Quote, I want to have a zero interception year and maybe one or two 100 completion percentage games if I can, Williams said. I for sure want to throw more touchdowns. Every year myself goals before the season go up and I've actually kind of reached and surpassed many of myself goals with how many touchdowns that I have had. Uh, Alicia, I would like to be rich someday. I'd like to own a house, have a <laughs> summer house, um, ideally a cabin in the woods uh, at some point. Um, but what do you think about these goals? Wow. They're uh, lofty. They're okay, lofty. so here's the thing. I saw 60 touchdowns and 5,000 yards passing, and I thought, okay, Caleb. And then I looked at the numbers and I'm like, well, I mean, it's not too it's crazy. It's not the most insane thing. This is it's crazy, stupid. But this it's is, not too this crazy. This is very stupid, but like, it's not the most insane. 
He had 52 touchdowns this past season total. Yes. He had 42 touchdowns passing and 10 touchdowns rushing. Could he have more? Could he have thrown more touchdowns this past season? He could have. Yes. Yeah. Well, he, he had 4,537 passing yards. Um, So he needs, what, uh, just under 500 more? Yeah. Well, you look at the games where he didn't necessarily have a great game. Just think of Oregon, Oregon State. Oregon State threw a buck 80. Uh, if he throws 380 in that game, that's 200 more yards, and now he's 300 yards short. And, a, and, a, and, a few and then you just you yeah. just cut those up, and it's like 30 yards a game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't. I don't think it's crazy. I, I don't think it's crazy no. for him to to reach those things. I do have one. It's crazy. There's the, the the no picks is the craziest. Well, the no picks is absolutely the craziest. Yes, but that that's just that's that's not happening. Here's my hot take. All right. If Caleb Williams has sixty touchdowns and five thousand yards, sorry, Archie. Alex Grinch should be fired at some point during the season. Okay, explain. Because that means that, like, Caleb played a lot of fourth quarters. He played a lot of competitive fourth quarters this year because USC was chasing points, because USC's defense was giving up points. Mm -hmm. If things go to plan, Caleb will not be playing that many fourth quarters. He will not need to be chasing that many touchdowns and that many yards. I hear you. So, like, the more production he has to a certain point like he it's not a problem if he throws 40 touchdowns i'm not saying that's a problem right but like if he's throwing something if he has something absurd like he's accounting for 60 touchdowns then he is playing a lot of competitive football that he should not be having to play if things are going well counterpoint um Joe Burrow obviously has the record for the most touchdowns in the season. Okay. Uh, major college football. Uh, he had 60 passing touchdowns in 2019. Greatest season we've ever seen, ever. Um, and 60 touchdowns and six, six picks in an insane ratio, right? Um, he had five rushing touchdowns, so 65 touchdowns. We've talked about it before that that – um, LSU defense was not great in part because LSU's offense was so, you know, high octane and so, uh, uh, you know, lump sum that it allowed the defense to just be on the field more and they were seeing more plays and all those things. And so I don't hold those numbers necessarily against Dave Aranda. Um, but like LSU's defense in 2019, in a, you know, in terms of like total numbers, not necessarily on a per play basis, but in terms of total numbers is like the worst defense that, you know, has won a national title in a long time. Right. Okay. If not ever. I absolutely think that SC could be capable of doing that. If SC maximized their offense, um, if SC maximized the offense to like the upper echelon, you could end up seeing Caleb Williams pulling a season that is in the in the realm of what Joe Burrow did. I'm okay. not going to say that he's going to match him and get the exact 60 touchdowns or whatever, but I could see a world in which we've talked about this before, but that I think SC could be better on paper, but maybe or better, but not, you know, by the, by the record, 
I also think SC's defense could be better, but maybe not have some of the numbers behind them that this this past year's defense did in terms of things like creating turnovers and whatnot. And like, if the offense is maximizing their their drives, then that probably means that the defense is going to be out there even more. Like, you know what I mean? Like, okay, I, I don't think that what I'm, I'm saying gonna... is I don't think there's a direct correlation to if he's that good then Grinch must be fired. Okay. I'm That's gonna, what I'm saying. I'm going to, I'm going to concede. I'm going to concede the point because I, I get what you're saying. And I Joe, like, I agree in, in general to the spirit of what you're saying and what, that you don't want the, you don't want Caleb Williams to have to You don't to want score. him to have to have 400 many, yards a game. Yes. But, but if he has a bunch of like 2019 LSU at Mississippi state, they win 36, 13. Yeah. And he throws four touchdown passes and has their second fewest three hundred and twenty-seven yards points in, in that in that season. Was, yeah, was that game with twenty uh, thirty-six? Yeah. But but the point is, like, throw four touchdowns. His first half numbers need to be really really good. Is what we're saying. Throw four, sure. four yeah. throw four touchdowns in the first three quarters. Throw three hundred fifty yards in the first quarter, first three quarters, and then call it a day. And then you're sort right. of going to be on track for for those kinds of numbers. Um, the, the and, and then in the bigger me. games, you throw five hundred, whatever. The crazy thing for me is that looking at Burrow's numbers in this game log right now, there the, was, the numbers aren't that not crazy. absurd. It, it's it's that he 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 played fifteen games. Yes, which helps. Um, he threw for four hundred yards four times. Like it sounds like you would imagine that he threw like five hundred yards like several times. No, he never threw five hundred yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, he threw four hundred yards four times. He had one. Six touchdown game against Vanderbilt. Yeah, like I, I think there's there's definitely a world in which SC could get in that in that area, especially when you consider that there were games this year where I think that SC didn't maximize what they did on offense. Well, um, that's the scary thing. Remember, in the first, we bring this up all the time. The first half of the season, we were critical of USC's offense relative to the defense, right? Because it felt like the offense was leaving points on the board. Yes. And like that's the scary thing is that the offense if if the offense was what it was in the second half of the season over the course of the full season like what would have what would have his numbers been? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, time I, we do the math. I, I I don't I don't know. So um yeah, I think that you know realistically looking at the the, the numbers in a Lincoln Riley offense um Caleb Williams had 52 uh counted for touchdowns. Uh, this season, 42 through the air, 10 on the ground. It's pretty much in line with what the other Lincoln Riley quarterbacks have done. Kyler Kyler Murray had 54, 40, 42 and 12. Jalen Hurts, 32 and 20, which is insane. Um, Baker Mayfield topped out at 43 and 5, so 48. So, like, how many? I, I think there's a way for him to get to 55 and flirt with 60. Yes. How many games in the first half of the season did Caleb Williams have uh, of the of the first six games of the season? How many did Caleb have more than three hundred yards passing? In the in the first half. In the first six. Um, two. Yes, he only had two three hundred yards passing at Stanford three forty one, and home to ASU three forty eight. He had two that were under two hundred yards passing. Yes. So like there is. And I heard and I heard him say this. Like he talked about how like 
he does have room for improvement. That's yeah, yeah. I I think I think there absolutely is. I, I think that more than anything, I would say don't necessarily expect a major uptick because there's not much room for him to grow. Um, but there is room for him to grow, and I think that what most likely you're going to see is the consistency from year to year too. Like you look at Baker Mayfield's numbers and what he did in 2016. Um, he had a crazy year in, in, uh, sorry, 20, where is it? Uh, 2016 Baker Mayfield he had 40, 40 touchdowns in 2016. Yeah. Uh, 40 touchdowns, eight interceptions with a passer rating of 196.38 which I believe set the record for passer rating 2016. He came back a year later and got up to 198.92 um, and almost had identical numbers, 43 and six instead of 40 and eight. And I think for me, the biggest growth for Caleb Williams is going to be in, in efficiency. Um, one of the things that we've seen out of those high-end years from – the, the Lincoln Riley offense, 2016 and 17 with Mayfield, 2018 with Murray, and 2019 with Jalen Hurts is the efficiency and like where all those guys were in passer rating. Uh, in, in 2016, you look at passer rating, Mayfield was number one in the country. Uh, in 2017, you look at passer rating, Mayfield was number two in the country. Both of those were NCAA records. Uh, 2018, Kyler Murray is number two in the country, but he breaks Baker Mayfield's record. Um, Tua also breaks it, but like he's number two with 199.2, right? And then 2019, Jalen Hurts is at 191.2. So like these guys were like insane with how efficient they were. And we can talk about, you know, until the cows come home about Caleb Williams and how he didn't make mistakes. Um, this past season, only five interceptions. Uh, he was, was, I don't think he lost a fumble, right? Um, but the the flip side of that but is his, his passer rating was, was relatively pedestrian for a Lincoln Riley quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he was fifth in the country in passer rating at 168. That sounds... Like fifth in the country is still like very good. When I say pedestrian, I mean like pedestrian for the quarterbacks we're comparing him to at the moment. Yes. Um, I expected him to shatter uh, Cody Kessler's record and he beat it by one point. Cody Kessler in 2014 was fourth in the country at 167.06 and Caleb Williams was at 168. Yeah. but like when you compare it to Baker Mayfield had two different seasons at 190 above 196. Yeah, and like, like I said, four straight years in which Lincoln Riley had quarterbacks over 190. Uh, ba- Baker's passer rating in in his first season as a starter at Oklahoma was 173.3. So Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things where I think that's where you're going to see the growth is the efficiency. So he talks about uh Caleb Williams wants two games in which he's at 100% uh completion percentage. I don't necessarily think that's realistic, but I think that that's where you're going to see a big uptick because I don't in, mind the goal. No, I because that you absolutely be want that goal. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely want that goal. And and you know, West Texas Mike in the chat is talking about how the that it, the, he could improve because he says 
nearly all of his picks were dumb under throws and throws right into coverage. That, that's the crazy part. Like the, of the five picks, you know, there's not like a tipped hail Mary interception in there. Yeah, right. Like it's a bad decision, but he's due for five bad decisions. Yeah. Given how good he was on the other passes. Yeah. Um, which, which is crazy, but like, Ideally, you want him to, you know, curtail those and you you want those passes back. The the final interception against Utah, I think, is a ball that he short arms because he doesn't have his legs under him because mm-hmm. his hamstring is pulled. And yeah, maybe that's one that's, you know, not necessarily a, a poor decision, but one that gets short armed because he's hurt. But yeah, you, you want him to be able to become a senior, um, not a senior, a junior in this case, right? And just really be able to refine. I think for me, the interesting thing is going to be knowing USC quarterbacks. Um, and I'm not going to, you know, expect this out, out of Caleb Williams, but looking at what SC has had when a guy returns after a great season, it means that they've all regressed, right? Um, Matt Barkley went backwards. He had a great touchdown to interception ratio in 2011. Uh, and then he threw 15 picks in 2012. Um, Kessler regressed in his final season. Darnold regressed in his final season. Slovis kept regressing, right? And I think that part of those things was because all of those guys, as they got older, got more responsibility. And the coaches talked about it every time. Um, with, with Lane Kiffin, he talked about how Matt Barkley, the whole thing was he was going to have more autonomy and more uh, responsibilities thrown at him his way. And I think that that kind of makes it more difficult. And I don't expect Lincoln Riley to do that. Lincoln Riley is going to be in a, in a position where when he gives more responsibilities, the track record shows that how Lincoln Riley is with his quarterbacks, even in the returning guys like Baker Mayfield, they continue to get better. And that is going to be, refreshing to to watch and that makes you think that like you know be really confident what Caleb Williams can do in year two which is really year three for him Mm -hmm. but the year after a Heisman win yeah I wish the sample size was larger for Lincoln Riley quarterbacks and and whether or not they are in danger of regressing because because Baker's the only only guy a sample size one but he certainly did not regress well Uh, there is Spencer Radler but like Spencer Radler was still in year two as a starter yeah. and he didn't have the entire season because he, he gets taken over by Caleb Williams. So it's hard to really look yeah. at look, it was, it was a, that was yeah. a strange that, that, that felt strange. Yeah. It was yeah. a totally different situation. Spencer Radler had never had the top elite level season in the first place. Right. Uh, he was still living on potential. So yeah. Yeah. Should be, should be fun. I mean, we get to watch it unfold. So yeah, exciting. absolutely. Uh, all right, let's go to the mailbag. We got a, an email from John in Oakland. Uh, I, Alicia, and Michael, welcome back, and I hope all is well. So what do you think will be USC's approach for scheduling non-conference games after joining the Big Ten next year? Given long-term Notre Dame rivalry commitment, they only have two non-conference game slots. Do you think SC will lock in a Stanford series? So there's always a Bay Area trip every two years. Going to the farm as a fan is much more fun than Berkeley. How would you see them approaching the third game, group of five or power five opponent, big name game like Alabama, Georgia, Texas? 
or an easier tune-up game like UNLV Rice Fresno State? Do you think there's any chance they would schedule a second Pac-12 opponent for their third non-conference game? I personally wouldn't want that to happen, especially if it's Oregon. I've come to hate the Ducks and their millions of NIL dollars from Phil Knight outright buying high school recruits and transfer portal players and the school getting a free pass from the media and the NCAA while USC doesn't even have an NIL collective gets routinely falsely accused in the media ESPNU satellite radio in parentheses of using all of its NIL dollars to get Jordan Addison and others. But I digress thoughts, John in Oakland. Thanks for the, thanks for writing in John. Um, I think that USC will probably play this smart and smart will be just let the PAC 12 loose. Um, I think you go in with Notre Dame as your big rivalry commitment, and then you use your two remaining uh, out-of-conference games strategically. I think if you can get a marquee matchup with teams like Alabama or LSU or like the series that have already been scheduled, you continue yeah. to find those, but one at a time. And then you use the tune-up game scenario, which is which is generally the... the the standard is is most teams will go out there and look for a marquee game and then tune up games to fill out the rest of their schedule. So USC doesn't treat the Notre Dame game as sort of their their marquee game because it's a, a yearly tradition, but you still got to use that. You can't over schedule if if that's like yeah you'd be doing a disservice to the program. In fact, if you over scheduled, uh, you you want to look for a group of five teams, um, and and just sort of pick your spots there as well. And basically teams that are willing to come to the Coliseum, it, it's not even just group of five. It's, it's really, if we're scheduling you, it's on our turf. That's the way that the negotiations begin. And that's going to cut out, you know, yeah. certain we're not, you know, USC is not going to travel to rice. Like if you want to play USC, you come to you come to USC. So that's different kind of negotiations than talking to Tennessee about a, 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 a a uh, series or I don't know, Oklahoma. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be interesting. We, we've talked about scheduling in the past, um, both on the pod and, uh, you know, renator.com back when we wrote for the site and whatnot, but sort of how SC was behind the eight ball because everyone had scheduled out their schedules through like 2030 and SC hadn't done it. Um, they've added old miss, um, but old miss is the only team that they've really added in the past several years. Um, uh, LSU, they added, you know, as the, the one-off game next year in 2024 in Vegas, but there hasn't been home and homes besides the Ole Miss game uh, series, which means that there's still the opportunity in 2027 and 2028. I think the interesting thing is what do we know about the big tool, the big 10? the nine game schedule remains. So I don't think anything's really going to change for SC. I think you're going to see kind of the same MO. It would be more interesting if things move to a eight game schedule, because then SC would sort of have more options. But I think the reality is that with the commitment to Notre Dame, I, I don't know how you change anything. I think we know that SC is not going to play an FCS opponent. They're going to play a group of five team instead, which they should um, with that final, the 12th game. 
and the other game i as as nice as it would be to play stanford to keep that rivalry i don't think you want two games uh, that are you know set every single year outside of your conference yeah i, I like it. i it's now it's incredibly difficult to to manage your schedule that way now the intriguing sort of idea here is what happens if notre dame joins the big 10 yes then yeah. or if they join the acc and does that change things too yeah like, yeah that changes things that, i mean that has the potential to to throw a wrench in things as well but you know, if Notre Dame joins the Big Ten, then suddenly maybe you are free to have a, a regular series with Stanford or somebody else that you that you choose. So long as you have Notre Dame, though, you shouldn't be looking for regular series with anybody. You should be looking for those one-off sort of uh, feature games. And I, I think that's and even the then, move. and even then, for like right now, early in this Big Ten sort of situation, if I'm USC, I also think there's an argument to be a little bit more conservative on the, on the recruiting. I mean, on the uh, scheduling front. Yeah. Cause you're already facing a very difficult this, scheduling that's, task. That's the thing. Um, we, we've talked about it before that, you know, pre Mike bone, the, the, the whole thing was that it was the, the mindset that SC had gone to prioritizing getting seven home games. Because they they want the gate, right? They they want to sell tickets, um, and that's what prompted the whole UC Davis thing. Um, obviously, Mike Bone reversed that part, but like I don't think that he's going. He's in the 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 uh, mindset of changing the whole like seven. Uh, I think home the, games thing. I think you want the games, seven home games. The seven home games thing was 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 a smart way to play it. Yes. Scheduling UC Davis, an FCS team that's right. going to piss everyone else off, everyone, all the USC fans off, that was the issue, not the yes. idea of having seven well, home games a, a And I I think part of the problem here is that SC plays Notre Dame every year, and it's easy to just think of them as a conference opponent. Yeah. Because, not literally, but, you know. But it's even be, the home away, home be, away. Because it's on, it's, it's baked into your schedule, so you never think of, about them as a new opponent, right? Because... You're just gonna play them every year. Like it's they're they're not a new feature. You know exactly where their game is. You can look on a calendar every single year, you know where it is, etc. And so I think it's easy to forget that SC plays Notre Dame. So when you look at a schedule like you know, this upcoming season, I think some people can look at this and say, San Jose State and Nevada, oh, well, it's kind of a lame non-conference schedule. Yeah, but Notre Dame is there too. Like literally, anybody else, no, if yeah. anybody else was playing San Jose State, Nevada, and Notre Dame, they'd be they'd feel good man. That, that is loaded because we play Notre Dame. Yeah, SC sort of you know gets lulled in that thing. So long story short, John, I think seven home games, um, and yeah, do do the one offs every now and then. But besides that, I think you want to load up with with G fives, especially when you got to go cross country and to play Big Ten schools. Now it's a yep. lot of travel. Uh, let's go to questions we've got here on YouTube. We've got a bunch of you guys um, throwing in questions. Cameron has a bunch of questions. Uh, is Michael optimistic or pessimistic of the Jags next season? How can you be pessimistic? It's only the beginning, baby. Like everything's everything's going forward. It's full guns a blazing with the, uh, the the best quarterback in in the world. You know, Trevor I mean, Lawrence. you you can you can live in that fantasy land. 
would save that for 12 months from now. <laughs> Cameron also says, uh, what was what field was worse, the Rose Bowl grass or the grass in Glendale? The like, grass in the Rose Bowl in 2017 was awful. Last night's least, looked pretty bad as well. So here's the thing. The, the, the grass at the Rose Bowl, at least it's growing outside in the elements. Like at least it's, it was raining well, and, and like there's just weird stuff that happens sometimes when you have an outdoor stadium and the, yes. the, the field of play. The problem I have with the grass in Glendale is even before the game started, the NFL was talking up this grass that they'd spent two years growing, that they developed in a lab at Oklahoma State, right. that they'd rolled out every day to get sunshine and that they'd done all of this, you know, like a million dollars they spent on this field to get it ready for this game. And it was terrible. Like, that's embarrassing. Like, is it worse? I don't know. More embarrassing, though? Absolutely. I, you want to know my hot take? I think grass, growing grass is extremely difficult. Yes, I get it. And, like, more, more times than not, I feel like people are talking about bad, bad fields because it's, it's very, it's very well, hard. Like, it's, as, it's just hard. As Kenny will tell you, uh, Arizona, the Cardinals, are known for having some of the worst turf in the NFL. Yeah. It is not a coincidence that a city built in a desert that was not meant to have grass grow mm. in that heat has some weird funkiness I, about I, getting their field ready. I do play. want to push back on that thought, though. Why? Yes, uh, grass is not a naturally grown thing in Arizona, but the 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 valley there, the basin, um, is kind of ripe for growing grass. No, I'm saying that like it, for a football field, when you're trying to have grass be grown well, yes, you have this stadium that has a the 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 whole you know, roll it out to get sun, do all this, like all these complicated things that you have to do to it. Like the fact that you have to do all of that complicated stuff speaks to. Well, they, they're the doing that because they want natural grass in a, in a venue that doesn't get sunlight. Yes. But that has nothing to do with it being in Arizona. Like I, I, I think the Arizona part of it, like, I, I don't know that that's the, that's the reason why the grass sucks. Cause Ariz the, the grass sucks in a lot of places. Like, you know, we Arizona talk about we would think is, that California would be better for that, but like the Coliseum turf is always terrible too. Yeah, the Coliseum turf isn't great, but it like it's also not being bioengineered to be the perfect NFL grass. And it I, still sucks. I I would argue that the people making the, the that grass mm -hmm. are bioengineering it to be the perfect grass that they, they could. You know what I mean? Like I it just, just doesn't have the, the, we, we the NFL marketing on We weren't it. talking about the we weren't talking about the turf at SoFi last year. That's all I'm saying. Well, because it's turf. But then again, no, everyone's been talking though. about turf all year. Like No, it's natural. Uh, I think SoFi had, has natural grass as well, don't they? I don't think so. I think they, they do. I thought they do the rolly out thing. They don't have a rolly outer. I thought they have a rolly outer. There's like three stadiums in the world that have a rolly outer. Oh, well, I don't know. Glendale, Gelsenkirchen, and Sapporo. You would know. You're the stadium expert. Yeah, Schalke has a, has the stadium they built for the World Cup. Uh, anyways, uh, Kenny says argue uh, the the best Super Bowl was we talked about that before Seahawks Patriots and Steelers Cardinals West Texas Mike. Speaking of Rojo, Rojo, uh, I nearly said Ro Ro Rojo Rojo. Yeah, 
Uh, West Texas Mike says, speaking of Rojo, I need to know if Lincoln Riley has the Rojo 2017 versus Texas play on his call sheet. Wanted him to use that play again with uh, Relief Brown at the end of the Utah game. I I agree. The stop shorts and let the let him uh, run uh, and get the huge block from Stephen Mitchell. Always a good plan. I would not be opposed to seeing that play run. Yeah. To Relique. Uh, all right. Uh, next question comes from Kenny. Did the, the basketball team ruin their tournament hopes? They terrible trip to Oregon right on schedule. It's February guys. That means USC basketball is here to disappoint us. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. But I, 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 I've, I've caught on to the fact that, that people think I'm a huge downer about USC basketball, but also I've had enough. I'm, I'm tired of giving that program my hopes and dreams every spring. So I'm just not going to do it. And uh, to say I was not surprised about the results of the trip to Oregon this weekend would be an understatement. Yeah, one of these days we're going to have a basketball argument on this pod. Not today. But, um, yeah, my, my thought about SC basketball, except all the good stuff. All the bad stuff, just get over it. I just don't think the good stuff is good enough. That's where I'm at. I think this is SC and any does, good stuff is good. Why does Alabama get to have a top 10 football team and top 10? That's because team? Kentucky is completely. Why does Florida like, get to win national championships? Florida basketball, basketball has basketball. not been good in the last 15 why, years. Well, USC basketball has not been good in the last 80 years. So this is the best stretch SC's basketball has ever yeah, had. Yeah. This mediocre stretch is the best stretch they that USC basketball has ever two had. years ago. What are you talking about? Yeah. This is the one flash in the, the pan golden age of SC basketball. Recruits. Yeah. It's the golden age. A generational player in Evan Mobley. And uh, yeah. Remember he says, any news on uh, Big Ten expansion outside of SC and UCLA? Uh, no. I, I La- last I heard, it sounds like Big Ten staying pat. Um, I think they're waiting for Notre Dame. I think they need to call Oregon and Washington. They they should. Well, well, honestly, they should, because I don't think the plan of having USC and UCLA just join the Big Ten and have it all be hunky-dory is actually, like, there's there's not enough balance there. They need the additional two West Coast programs to help balance things out for for that conference. But, yeah. Uh, Darlene in the chat says, "Sophie is not natural grass. No rolly outy. Yeah, thank you, yeah. thank you, Darlene, yeah. for that clarification. <laughs> yeah, and I never thought I'd say Gelson Kirchner on a pod, but see, but is that even how you okay, pronounce it? So is not? is Arizona's problem like the hubris of man? Because I did jump to Wikipedia to look and see that it was no rolly outy, and it and the Wikipedia page for Sophie talked about how just the difficulties of growing natural grass and all this kind of stuff prompted them to." To go with uh, to go with the the artificial turf, like then is is it just the, the just Arizona's own like hubris that they can't just put turf in that stadium? So you know what they need is what uh, Tottenham Stadium has, which is the levels where they have grass and then they can put turf away. on top of it. Oh, okay. They have uh, rolly overs. Rolly overs. Yeah, instead of rolly outies, <laughs> rolly overs. Yeah. But yeah. all right, uh, that's going to wrap up the pod. We'll be back next week. Uh, as always, join us here on YouTube every Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific. And also join us on the membership. 
Uh, for four ninety nine, you get bonus content uh, along with uh, joining our Discord, and uh, we'll have a great time chatting with you guys along there. Talk in between episodes about anything you guys want about SC football uh, or anything else. You can ask us about lasagna. I don't know anything. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's going to wrap up the episode. We'll be back next week. Until then, see ya. See ya. See ya. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.